Welcome back, everybody, to Boozy Bracketology, the podcast where we believe in three things, strong drinks, strong opinions, and crowning champions. Uh, I am your host, Mike. I am sitting in again for my wife, Nikki, who is down with a little bit of the stomach bug as we sit here determining what the best horror movie with a strong female character is. That's going to lead us right into Halloween here in this month of October. Uh, we had a lot of great discussion in the first region, which was our pre-1980s region. And I have a feeling it's going to be just as interesting, if not even more so this time, because this time period actually encompasses time period in which we're all, we were all alive. This is the 80s and 90s region. And I'm really excited to hear what a lot of people have to say about this. We're going to meet our panelists once again. And uh, in the order that they're going to speak, we're going to start off with Minda. Minda, how are you doing tonight? And what are you drinking? I, oh, I'm not drinking. I'm drinking Crystal Light and I'm doing amazing. <laughs> That's fine. I have side quests going on. What flavor of Crystal Light, if I might ask? Lemonade. <laughs> oh, okay. No, that that's honestly, in my opinion, the only correct answer. I just suddenly remembered oh, there God. are other flavors, and I felt like I should ask. All right, moving on to our second panelist of the evening, Stephen. How are you doing? What are you drinking? Uh, for this episode, I'm going to be cracking open more of a local beverage, a Dr. Pepper Cream and Zoda Zero Sugar. Which is the only cream soda that I think is actually worth drinking. Usually cream soda is ass, but this is this is uh, hitting the right spot for me. Interesting. I didn't even know uh, Dr. Pepper had a cream soda, but I was I was actually waiting to hear uh, you tell us about a different country that you had imported your tasty beverage from. I was, you know, I was curious to hear hear how Zimbabwe's sodas were or something. I don't know. <laughs> Our third panelist this evening is going to be Jenna. Jenna, how are you doing tonight? And what are you drinking? Excellent. Hello, hello. I have a uh, very tannic Tempranillo from the Durham Wine Store because when I drink craft beer, I can't button my pants the next day. <laughs> sweatpants are your friend. I I wore sweatpants well after it was socially acceptable growing up. So, And believe me, well after it was socially acceptable. I think I finally ditched them sophomore year of high school. Wow. Somewhere around that time frame. Wow. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. Uh, but enough about me. Let's check in with our fourth panelist, Isabel. Isabel, how are you doing tonight? And uh, what tasty beverage do you have in your glass? Hi, I'm doing great. I'm drinking uh, Founders Oktoberfest, mm. which seems like the perfect beverage for this topic. Excellent choice. Excellent choice. It is the perfect beverage for this topic and this month. Uh, I didn't mention what I'm drinking. I'm going to preempt Chris before we toss it over to to him as our final panelist. Uh, I'm actually drinking the same thing that I had on the previous episode, except uh, the joke that I made in the previous episode is a little more relevant now. Uh, for whatever reason, when I hear Woodford Reserve, my brain tends to go to Woodsboro. And spoiler alert, in the 80s and 90s horror <laughs> movie with strong female characters uh, region – if you hadn't guessed, there's going to be at least one Woodsboro, one movie that takes place in Woodsboro. So I brought my Woodsboro Reserve. Wood, see, there I did it. Woodford Reserve, double oaked. Uh, as Chris and I discussed this uh, in the previous region, this is an absolutely phenomenal bourbon. Uh, and I am thoroughly enjoying it, as I'm sure Chris, our final panel tonight, is thoroughly enjoying whatever he is drinking tonight. Chris, how you doing, man? Hey, man, I'm good. I would say that if you're really going to try and go for the Woodsboro, you might as well go with the Woodenville bourbon. Woodenville bourbon is actually really good, but it's actually really expensive. It's like 90 bucks a bottle. 
but it's, it's I don't know really if I, I don't know if we can even get that one here. I, I don't know. I, I found it locally here. It's actually somewhat readily available, but I went with something that's not readily available. So there is the aforementioned trip that I took up to New England where apparently bourbon hunting is not a thing. In Florida, it's a big thing. But I came back with six bottles. I actually came back with 10. I gave four of them away. I came back with six bottles of Eagle Rare from the Buffalo Trace Distillery um, out of Kentucky. Eagle Rare is impossible to find. If I wanted to find it locally here, I'd be spending about 60 bucks a bottle. This is a $30 bottle, guys. It's, not a, it's, it's a really good bottle of bourbon. It's not worth 60 bucks. so save your money. Buy Woodford's or Double Oak. You'll like it. But no, Eagle Rare is my drink tonight. I am looking forward to this. I have a, I'm an 80 and 90s movie guy. This one is going to break my heart a little bit. Just throwing that out there now. Yep. Yep. I have a feeling it's going to be a lot of this. So, side Eagle Rare story real quick. Uh, we actually uh, uncovered a speakeasy in Albertville, Alabama, a couple of weeks ago, uh, which was really, really cool. Uh, but I did have a single shot of the Eagle Rare bourbon that they had, and it was the shot was half of what you paid for the bottle. So, yeah, if you can get that for 30 bucks, definitely get it. I came home with 10 of them for a reason. Yes, sir. But we are going to dive right into this bracket here, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, as I said, this is the 80s and 90s region of our horror best horror movie with a strong female character bracket. Uh, we're going to jump right into it. As I said, we've got Minda going first here, and she gets to choose between these two movies. Will it be the number one seed of Silence of the Lambs, Best Picture winner from 1991, or the number 16 seed of Slumber Party Massacre, not the Best Picture winner of 1982? Sorry, take it away, Minda. Oh, Minda got frozen. Hold on, hold on. Minda, 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 Minda. Uh, can you, you you were frozen there. We didn't actually get the, the beginning of that. Well, okay. Once it's out, it's now. I'm just saying, like, silence of the lambs all the way. Okay? Um, you, you've got Clarice. You've got even the victim. I don't know if you heard me say it before. Captain Martin down in the hole. She's still, like, super tough. She got that the dog had the bucket and the lotion and blah, blah, blah. She finagled the dog as a hostage from a hole underground with a psycho. I like Summer Party Massacre because the weapon was pretty cool. That drill guitar thing. But all, you know, all the way, Sounds of the Lambs. And Sounds of the Lambs, as a one seed should, storms out to an early lead. We're going to check in with Steven next. Hey there, Slumber Party Massacre. I see you. I know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. And you're having a lot of fun doing it. And it's an enjoyable watch. But Slumber Party Massacre, you done fucked up. You step into the lion's den, and you're now you're looking at silence of the goddamn lambs. You, you, <laughs> there's no way you stand a single chance against the powerhouse of cinema that is silence of the goddamn lambs. It's perfect. You are basically multiple mix at this point. You might as well eat your own tongue and kill yourself, because you got no chance against that psychological thriller. Silence of the lambs all the way. Silence of the Lambs picking up its second vote as we head over to Jenna next to see how much of a blowout this is going to be. Yeah, do I want to eat Wagyu beef or do I want to eat a jujubee I found on the floor? The answer is sometimes, but not tonight. Uh, this is 
this is a landslide for me for a lot of reasons that I'm going to save. So I have something really compelling to say in the next round. And there most definitely will be a next round for Silence of the Lambs because it has already gotten a three to nothing lead over Slumber Party Massacre. Isabel, how big of a blowout do we have here? Um, well, in Slumber Party Massacre's defense, I think it was originally written as a parody um, by Rita May, Rita May Brown, who wrote Ruby Fruit, Ruby Fruit Jungle. Um, so I just thought that was some interesting info. It was obviously uh, turned serious at some point, and I don't think she was happy with that. So that's that's um, that's in Slumber Party Massacre's defense, but I'm going with Silence of the Lambs. A woman saves women. Strong females. That's it. And Silence of the Lambs picks up its fourth vote. Let's hand it off to Chris to give Slumber Party Massacre its token vote. Silence of the Lambs. Move it along. Let's go. (laughs) All right. Clearly, Slumber Party Massacre did not put the lotion on the skin because it's got the hose. It is heading out as Silence of the Lambs is moving on easily over the 16th seed. And we are moving on as well to what might be a slightly more closely contested matchup. We'll see how this pans out. We've got our number eight seed of Candyman from 1992, taking on the number nine seed of Scream from 1996. And first, we are going to be checking in with Steven. If you've listened to the podcast, you might have picked up that I'm a bit of a skeptical person. And I remember being like in elementary school, the first time somebody told me about the whole Bloody Mary three times in a mirror thing, even at that age, thinking, well, that's obviously bullshit. Obviously, I didn't say bullshit at the time because I was little, but I knew it was fake. And I knew it was so fake that I immediately went to the bathroom, said Bloody Mary in the mirror three times, and walked out triumphantly vindicated that no such thing had happened. And when I watch Candyman, I just, I think the premise is so silly four times in a mirror I, I don't i don't get those urban legends i don't see why people think they're scary because i guess so you're just kind of daring yourself but you're just psyching yourself and it, it just it's not my groove i think objectively it's a well-made film it's you know well put together i get why other people like it but it just does nothing for me the scream is another film that i am not in love with but i would much rather watch it than Candyman again so i'm going with scream Scream picking up its first vote against Candyman. Let's head over to Jenna next. I feel ways about this. I love Candyman. It's such a well-constructed film. It's not about urban legend or the believability of that kind of childhood say it in the mirror shtick. It's this blending of urban legend with this gentrification horror and it sort of blurs the lines in between what's myth and what's real because it even it even brings out there's there's like a real person going around this project um you know with a hook hand terrorizing people um it was a social commentary way ahead of its time um virginia madsen is just a goddess and if we're going for like the best female fronted movie that's a woman who's like confronted with this ancient evil and still in the end is kind of like making choices not to let it consume her. And just the, the ending I think is perfection because she becomes this thing 
but she uses it in this really directed way that I, the way that Candyman concludes, I think, is just one of the best, like, plot twists. Scream Scream is excellent. It's that whole meta-horror thing that was kind of the front-runner to, to Cabin in the Woods and all like that. And I, I like that, like, horror movie about a horror movie thing that it does. But I, I've just got to give it to Candyman. And as the best eight, nine seeds do, we've got a battle on our hands. As Candyman picks up its first vote to pull even with Scream, and we head over to Isabel. Uh, got to go with Candyman. Um, she does not give up. That main character just keeps going no matter what happens. She doesn't give up. And the end, I agree, is is perfect. And it has a, a lot of um, political layering to it and social commentary that makes it still relevant now. And Scream, I, you know, it's good and stuff. I don't, I like my horror movies to be scary. So, um, gotta go with Say My Name Candyman. And Candyman does pick up its second vote. Uh, I don't. I've been trying to read Chris's expressions throughout the, this to try and anticipate this. I think I know where he's going, but we're gonna find out from the horse's mouth himself. Chris, say my name, say my name. No one <laughs> is around you. Say, baby, I love. No. So this is actually really tough for me because, uh, listen, I, I'm a horror movie junkie. And you can't be a horror movie junkie without absolutely respecting the absolute hell out of Wes Craven. Scream reignited the American slasher film. It legitimately did. You don't get the new wave of American slasher that's happened since then without Scream. With this this awareness of what the rules of a slasher film are. Not just from a not just from a viewer standpoint, but even the characters inside nowadays acknowledge the rules. You don't see them running upstairs anymore, right? You don't you still don't see them running upstairs. It doesn't make any sense. Why would you do that? You don't see that anymore. And it happened all the time throughout the eighties. Scream to me has always been an amazing opening scene. A no pun intended, gut wrenching opening scene. And then, like a, a mediocre kind of finish, because like, yeah, it it the when you see the twist happen, it's like, okay. The opening scene for that movie makes it. Do you like scary movie? It does. Jenna just blew my mind with the gentrif- gentrification aspect of Candyman. Candyman is an extremely nuanced and layered layered film in which Virginia Madsen turns in her second best performance of her career, and she's had a phenomenal career. Uh, with the other one being, of course, the fact that we're not drinking Merlot tonight. <laughs> Only one of these gave me an iconic villain, though. Only one of these kept Tony Todd in the public conscious for now going on 30 years. Candyman is a movie that not many people saw because it wasn't a huge release when it came out. Scream's the opposite. Scream was a massive release. It's a massive hit. Candyman wasn't that. But Candyman's the better movie. Scream, I, I I will say this. Scream hits higher highs, but it hits the higher highs five minutes into the movie with Drew Barrymore. And then everything after that is kind of like, eh. It doesn't really hit another high until Scream 3 when Jay and Silent Bob show up. <laughs> I'm giving my vote to Candyman. And Candyman does pick up its third vote. We'll be moving on to the next round, but let's hear from Minda to find out how much of a blowout this is going to be. After Scream started off hot. 
It's a total blowout. I listen. Nev Campbell gives me hives. So anything that she's in, <laughs> automatically I lower the score for. And you know, you're gonna throw teenage, horny teenagers with knives up against an ancient evil supernatural situation. I mean, for me, it's got to be Candyman. And Candyman picks up its fourth vote. We'll be moving on to the next round to face off against Silas the Lambs. Brief side note. I want to talk about Scream 4 for just one second. I love Scream 4 had a tremendous opportunity. If they had let her yes. get away with it, it would have been still talked about. It would have been, I, I think that would have been such a tremendous twist. And they, they wimped out and, and that sucks. But, uh, but yeah, Scream, great movie, diminishing returns after that, blah, blah, blah. You guys made the right choice. Candyman's moving on. I'm an impartial host, whatever. <laughs> We are moving on to another 12-5 matchup. Will this one be the 12-5 upset of our particular bracket? We're going to find out in just a second. We have the number five seed of The Thing, the remake from 1982, taking on The Craft. Speaking of Nev Campbell movies from 1996. And we are going to be starting this discussion off with Jenna. All right. The Thing is the triumph of cinema. It's it's an amazing movie. It's kind of that alien-like premise where it solves the problem of why you can't get away because the Arctic tundra. Um, very well executed. They did a lot with a little. Uh, Rob Botton, the uh, effects artist, actually did all of the uh, mechanics and puppetry and kind of lost his mind making this movie. It was... Uh, horrendous drain on this poor man um so i remember that but i do not remember a single woman in the thing i i could be missing something i think the computer's voice was a woman but just in the in the spirit of the bracket i'm torn because i think that's by far the better movie the craft has this kind of like teen coming of age sexual awakening witchcraft metaphor going on and i'm strongly in favor of that um as far as the one the thing is the better movie the craft is the better fit for the bracket so i i don't know what to do right now (laughs) i am this is i'm very torn Go with your inner nice emo child. I have, I have okay. been there, and believe me, and I will just say, yeah, I would say go with go with what you're feeling in the moment. All right. Representation is overrated. The Thing is the better movie. <laughs> and The Thing does pick up its first votes. And we are going to be heading over to Isabel next to hear what she thinks. Well, um, The Thing probably is the better movie. But I'm going with the craft. Um, Outcasts have a special place in my heart because I was an outcast. And it did have a Susie and the Banshees song and some other good songs, good music, and um, lots of spells. And uh, so I'm going with the craft. And yep. The craft pulls even at one to one as we head over to Chris to find out which one's going to pull ahead. Yeah. So the thing is on this bracket. For simply because of Adrienne Barbeau, and I'm actually a, a fan of hers. Uh, she is in the absolutely terrible, terrible film Swamp Thing. Um, yeah. 
She's also the voice yep. of Selena Kyle in Batman the Animated Series. Steven is probably well aware of that. Uh, but the only female character in the thing is the computer. Uh, Jen is 100% right. It's not fair for it to be on here. 100% I get it. The thing is the better movie, but I actually do think The Craft had a bigger social impact. Because The Craft is something that has had... Say what you want. It is per, Whether or not it's a better movie, it has permeated pop culture since it came out. And I'm not a huge fan of Nev Campbell. Uh, I've seen Feruza Balk in two other movies. I think The Waterboy and Deuces Wild. I think she's you never saw Brad- Return to Oz. No, she's in Deuces Wild with Brad Renfro and is it Stephen Dorff. Is he the older brother? <laughs> My mind works in mysterious ways. The Craft is not a great movie. It fits the bracket better, but I, I think cultural impact matters. And there are still women to this day that watch the craft and get inspired by what they see that can somewhat relate to what they see. And that is important to me. My vote goes to the craft as much as it kills me to vote against John Carpenter. But I voted for Halloween, so I feel vindicated. <laughs> the craft does pick up its second vote as we come back around to the top and check in with Minda next. How in the absolute shit is The Craft a horror movie? There is nothing <laughs> scary about The Craft, you know, excluding the Nev Campbell thing that only I seem to have. It's not a fair fucking question. You've got a trick question against, you know, a, not a horror movie. You I'm got voting. your friends together to call the corners, though. <sighs> yeah. Still to this day, because my peer group. It's just not fair because you kind of, it's not fair because there's no chicks in the other one and I don't feel the craft is a horror movie. So if I'm backed in a go- into the corner, gun to my head, I'm going to have to kind of choose the craft just on uterine count alone. It's a fallopian win. It's a dirty win, but it's a win oh. for the craft. Wow. A fallopian oh. victory. Thank you, all, Jenna. All, all right. I, I believe, I believe just, uh, just based on, uh, anatomy alone the craft has eked out a uh so far three to one uh edge here we'll be moving on to the next round uh steven did we get this right oh my god no (laughs) okay the word female is in the bracket but so are the words horror and best so two of the words go to the thing. One of the words goes to the craft. The only thing scary about the craft is the possibility that I'd have to watch it again. It is a boring, tempid, just surface-level examination of it. You know what's a great examination of psychology and the way humanity works? The paranoia that you experience throughout the thing. The thing is a masterpiece. The thing has never been replicated before. It's a testament to the power of, of practical effects. The thing is a great, incredible film, and you're bringing the craft to me? Are you kidding? The most powerful thing the witches do is the light. As a feather stiff as a board, slumber party trick. That's not what. What, what are we doing here? What, why are we beating our heads against a brick wall to to force through something that should not be even on the bracket? Because it's not even a horror movie. You're absolutely right. The craft is not a horror movie. It 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 it's, it has technically more women in it, but if if that's the only thing that recommends a film, it's not a good film. And you all know it because you all said, you know what? The Thing is the better film, but I'm a vote for the craft. So take that to you. 
Wait till we get to practical magic. <laughs> oh man, there there are very few few things in this life sweeter than when Stephen is the last <laughs> panelist to speak in a decision that he so vehemently disagrees with. The thing does pick up its second vote, made a really good run of it, but the craft will be moving on just by virtue of the fact of having a slightly more female representation. And this is the best horror movie with a strong female character bracket. So whether or not that's appropriate, I will leave to the discussion of our commenters. But we will be moving on to a film that Definitely has a strong female character that won an, in that she won an Oscar for it. Uh, the number four seed of Misery from 1990 that did win Kathy Bates the Oscar. And it's going up against the number 13 seed of The Faculty from 1998, which I don't know if it won any Oscars, but it did have a really cool, if memory serves, cover of Pink Floyd's Another Brick in the Wall Part 2 in it, sung by Lane Staley. So that's neat. Uh, we are going to get started with Isabel. Well, um, as a fiction writer, I appreciate misery, and uh, I get I get all of that. Um, but I'm going with the faculty <laughs> because I love the pacing of that movie. There's really every scene moves into the next scene, and the um, storyline escalates. And I just don't see it really escalating that much in misery. The circumstance that he's in in the beginning is the same circumstance that he's in an hour later. And, um, yeah, so I'm going with the faculty. There's a lot of famous people in it, and that's cool, and it's fast-paced, and uh, it's not scary. Misery is also not scary. (laughs) But those are our choices, and (laughs) that's mine. And the faculty does pick up its first vote. Chris, uh, what do you say about this particular matchup? I don't know. Like, Legitimately, (laughs) I'm at a point now where I don't know what the answer to this question is because, listen, Misery is a a really good movie. And I'm trying to wager in my head or kind of come to terms in my head with how much of that movie is a really good movie and how much is it the hobbling scene? (laughs) How much much of it is it it hitting someone's ankle with a freaking... I, I just don't know. I can remember vividly a lot more about the faculty than I can misery. But when it comes to the performance of a character, I will never, ever forget Kathy Bates in misery. I won't. That character is so singularly driven and so unique that you're never going to get another character like that performed in that way to that level in a movie ever again. I don't think it would ever happen again in the current climate. Misery is somewhat uncomfortable to watch. It's not funny games uncomfortable, but it's really uncomfortable to watch at times. But then the faculty has like, it's just so kinetic. The faculty is such a weird movie. Like it's encouraging kids to take drugs to prove they're not freaking aliens. Like it literally (laughs) says snort cocaine to prove you're not an alien. (laughs) And I love, I, I'm a cinemaphile, I love Robert Rodriguez. Robert, Robert Rodriguez, to me, is one of the more kinetic and, and progressive filmmakers that's actually working right now. That's, a, in, that's at least in mass, in mass media. Oh, damn. I'm going to kick myself for this later. I've got to go Misery, though. 
because the performance from Kathy Bates alone brings that movie full circle. Misery gets my vote. Misery pulling even with the faculty. Wasn't entirely sure whether we would have an upset on our hands, but we do uh, have a very close game right now. We have a one-to-one tie as we're going to head over to Minda to break it. The faculty is basically kindergarten playing with Play-Doh and finger painting with Pooh next to Misery. Wow. <laughs> how? Tell us how you really how, feel. You, you are basing a Lisa Frank painting next to like a Van Gogh. Like, what are you doing, man? And it's the, the whole thing is horror boozy. It's the horror female. And the first thing you think of when you hear Misery, you think of the seminal character. You think of Kathy freaking Bates. That's it. End of story. Finger painting with poop. That's my to-go line. And finger painting with poop does put misery into the lead. (laughs) That does actually sound like a miserable experience. I'm just going to throw that out there. Misery does have a two-to-one lead as we head over to Steven. What's it going to be? Chris, how dare you call misery a one-scene film? Every scene in that film is incredible. You remember it all. You remember when she can't swear, like when she gives you the example of going down the feed store and saying, give, uh, I got a big bastard of a check, so give me some of your Christy money. Uh, you remember when she first introduces the pig misery. You remember that the ceramic glass penguin always points northwest. You you remember him her making him burn the novel he's been working on for the past three years, and then you remember him shoving the novel that she's made him work on in her fucking throat as he's trying to kill her. She literally strangles to death on the misery novel she forced him to write. You re- you remember the dinner scene there where he almost gets to poison her? It, it, misery is an incredible movie from top to bottom. I, I don't know how you could reduce that to a single scene. Yeah, the hobbling scene is brutal, but Every scene is brutal because you get to see Annie get more and more crazy and more and more obsessed. And there's nothing Paul Sheldon can do about it. Yeah, Paul Sheldon doesn't change a lot because he's stuck in bed the whole time. I agree. But his situation gets worse and worse because Annie gets worse and worse. And so the need, the desperation to get out, it just becomes so incredible by the end of misery. I I don't know how you could say, oh, I just, the hobbling scene was all it sticks with me because those are brilliant performances. Even James Caan gives a good performance. And James Caan is not a good actor. He's a their actor that people sort of liked for a while. He's kind of, you know, one of those things that just happens in Hollywood sometimes. (laughs) But Misery is a star-studded performance by the female lead. It is an incredible psychological thriller about about how a fandom and an artist relate to each other and who really controls their work once it becomes part of the public. Is it Paul's? Is it Annie's now? Because it's been published. It's it's such a smart work. Um, let me say something nice about the competition here, because I... I I shouldn't go all the way without mentioning anything about The Faculty. The Faculty is a fun film. People have commented about the frenetic pace. You're going to have a good two, two and a half hours watching The Faculty. I recommend it to a friend. Go watch it. But Misery is the clear winner here. I don't know how. I'm just upset, Chris. (laughs) I hate to say it, but he's right. He's right. I'm sorry. And and I I just I just love that Steven spent that whole time talking about how upset he was with the person who ultimately did vote the same way as him, <laughs> uh, but but misery does pick up its third vote. Uh, 
as we go and check with Jenna, did we get this one right? You know, if I was going to put on a movie to fall asleep to, it would be The Faculty. The Faculty is fun, but Misery whispers in your ear and it says, break his legs, then he'll have to love you. It is anyone who's ever been in a bad relationship sees a little bit of themselves in one of those people. And I think that's what's so enduringly freaky about misery. And of course, Kathy Bates performance is just iconic. There's so many weird little lines from that movie that people repeat. And then people who haven't seen the movie misery, look at you like you've lost your mind. Um, I got to give it to misery. (laughs) And the faculty did start off with an early lead, but ultimately misery as a top seed should do, did come storming back and take command and we'll be moving on to the next round. Unfortunately, we have eliminated John Stewart's second greatest Movie performance is first greatest, of course, being half-baked, which is obviously not on this list. And we're going to find out in the next round which of these two movies, never mind, they're not going to be facing off against this. This is a completely separate, separate matchup, but we'll determine which of the next movies is moving on. We've got our 6-11 matchup up next. And in the last region, the 6-11 seed actually proved rather fruitful for the 11 seed as it completely ran away with it. We'll see if the same thing is going to happen here. Chris is going to start us off on this one as we face off this number six seed of the Blair Witch Project from 1999. It's going to be taking on the number 11 seed of the Hitcher from 1986. Genuinely don't know how this one is going to go, so let's find out. Chris, take us away. So this is going to come down to a really this comes down to two things one is cultural impact and i don't think you can argue the cultural impact of the blair witch project i really don't the blair witch project influenced film even to this day because we're still seeing these found footage films and i'm gonna be honest with you here like aside from maybe wreck i don't know that you get one that hits anywhere near as hard as the blair witch project does wreck is an insanely insane film that you can see the american version uh uh, what's it called? Oh, Jennifer Carpenter. Um, quarantine. How did I forget quarantine? For God's sake, you can see the American version of Quarantine, and it's still it's still a really really solid film. And then you get the Hitcher. To me, these come down to to scenes that just left me in absolute shock. Is what it boils down to. Because in the Hitcher, you get the scene with C. Thomas Howell and Rutger Hauer in the bed of the truck, and the C. Thomas Howell has got Nash, played by Jennifer Jason Lee, strung up from the bed of the truck, tied from one end to the other. And if he pushes the gas forward, he's going to tear her body in half. Those are the stakes in that movie. And he freaking does it. But you never see it, which is really kind of weird, but you never actually see it. And then you get to the final scene, the final shot from the Blair Witch Project. And it's Heather Donahue looking for not Joshua Leonard, the other guy it's she's looking in this house for her friend. They're in the woods. They're terrified and they're looking for the house for the friend. And you see Heather Donahue run down the stairs into the basement of the shitty ass little house in the middle of the woods in Burkittsville, Maryland. And you see the friend with his head down in the corner. 
and the camera gets knocked to the side. You don't see anything else. And that right there is freaking terrifying. It's unsettling as hell. Take out the fact, I'm going to encourage everyone here when you're thinking about this, take out the fact that you've seen other found footage films before. This is the first time you're seeing it. It's unsettling. It's flat out unfreaking settling. It comes down to these two unsettling moments for me. And the one that unsettled me the most, honestly, is Blair Witch Project. Because you saw everything that Heather Donahue's character went through in the making of that film. Legitimately everything. Everyone remembers the snot bubble and the snot drip. I don't care. Like, she wore her emotions on her sleeve throughout the entirety of that film. That film is going to stick with me. The The stuff with Nash and the Hitcher, I love. I wrote, I hell, I wrote a screenplay when I was in college based, not based on the Hitcher, but inspired by the Hitcher. Yes, I'm going to wrap it up. I'm sorry. Blair Witch Project's the better movie. Move Blair Witch Project <laughs> along. Oh, so I gave that signal at the wrong time because I kind of want to hear more about that screenplay. Uh, the person in the corner at the end of the Blair Witch Project was m- named Mike. Not that I would expect you to remember that. <laughs> <clears throat> nope, I'm sorry. I'm going to compose myself. Blair Witch Project picks up its first vote as we head over to Minda to find out what she's going to vote for. The Blair Witch Project was the worst travelogue I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> Bullshit. <laughs> I hate that movie. It's boring. I can't stand it. No, I don't care. Like This is a horror horror bracket. That is not. It was not horrifying for me. You know, you got the hitcher. Even the scene that Chris described was scary just listening to him talk about it, ripping up old Jennifer Jason Lee. Obviously, my vote's going to go not to the most boring movie on the bracket. We're going to go with the hitcher. I have strong emotions. Agree to disagree, but you've never been more wrong in your entire life. You don't even know. You don't know me. I may, I'm wrong, all, very wrong all the time. <laughs> I can tell. <laughs> And 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 as a host who is also very frequently wrong, just ask my wife. I will say that the this is the one thing that I'm right about. The Hitcher does pull even with the Blair Witch Project, and we are going to head over to Stephen, and I'm going to avoid making the obvious even joke and just hand it off to him. Yeah, well, I'm sorry. Somebody said Blair Witch Project, and I instantly fell asleep because it is a boring crawl through nothing land. Where apparently trees are slightly scary if you bend them into little people occasionally once an hour or so. Uh, I'm sorry. What 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 is what's scary about the Blair Witch Project? I, I I don't get it. I never got it. It's a slow-paced movie where nothing happens. You just Chris described it. The man that went to bat for this film. The scariest thing was happened was somebody dropped a camera. That's the totality of the horror of the Blair Witch Project. Uh, the Hitcher, I, it's a film I actually legitimately like. I think I would vote for it against a lot of things on this bracket, but against the Blair Witch Project, it could have six or seven of my votes because I am never going to watch the Blair Witch Project again. And Stephen gives six or seven of his votes to the Hitcher over the Blair Witch Project. And unfortunately, Stephen, I'm sorry, I can only count one, which does give the Hitcher a two-to-one lead and gives Jenna the opportunity to either put it away or not. Jenna. I'm sorry, I have to go with the Hitcher. Uh, The Blair Witch Project did a number of things, which I find unforgivable. Um, A horrible sequel, a horrible remake, 
And it ushered in this entire genre of found footage film that we neither wanted nor deserved as a society. So I got to go Hitcher. You can't hold Book of Shadows against the original. You can't. Ugh. But for the first one. <laughs> what? While I might agree with Chris on that specific point, nonetheless, the Hitcher does pick up its third vote. We'll be moving on to the next round, but... I think we need to check in with Isabel. Isabel, did we get this one right? Uh, I'm not too hot on either of these. I um, Blair Witch did um, stir up a lot of dust, and it was innovative, and a lot of people talked about it. But it it is kind of boring. So <laughs> I I'm not a huge fan of The Hitcher either. But if I honestly, if somebody was like, okay, you're going to watch a movie now and it's one of these, I would have to pick um, The Hitcher. So that's my pick. I'm not super happy about it, but that's what it is. <laughs> well, I I can say that the, the sheer volume of picks throughout Boozy Bracketology history that I personally have not been happy about making is actually rather large. So I sympathize with you there, but... Yet again, for the second region in a row, the number 11 seed more or less runs away with it over the sixth seed. The Hitcher does defeat the Blair Witch Project. And we'll be moving on to the next round. Two face, I got this right this time. They're going to be facing one of these two movies. I'm actually intrigued by this one. Will it be the number three seed of The Nightmare on Elm Street, the 1984 classic? Original, I, I should emphasize, not the remake, but, uh, well, we're in, we're in the 80s and 90s region, so you guys know that. Or will it be the 14th seed of Bride of Chucky from 1998, which I just remember seeing in theater. Anyway, that just makes me amused. Uh, three seed, Nightmare on Elm Street versus 14th seed of Bride of Chucky. We're coming back around to the top to check in with Minda. Take it away. This is so tough because of the nature of this, the content here, because the, the the better movie is Nightmare on Elm Street all the way. But you're looking at the female fronted thing, like the female character. And then, you know, Bride of Chucky, unfortunately, has a female lead, like a big, strong, little tiny puppet Jennifer Tilly lead. <laughs> I But I can't turn my back on Nightmare on Elm Street. So even though it's supposed to be kind of female dominated character, category we're gonna go with nightmare on elm street and nightmare on elm street does pick up its first vote over bride of chucky let's check in with steven next first let me say that i am absolutely tickled pink that bride of chucky uh made it in here uh right because it's the most complete best of the child's play films uh the first child's play is okay until you see the doll and then it's ridiculous and it's actually pretty good because it knows what it is. It knows where that series has gotten to that point. It's willing to lean into it. It's willing to have fun. It's an enjoyable watch, even if I, I think, even if you haven't seen, like, the original Giles play or any of the other. Uh, Bride of Chucky. Yeah, it's fun. But Nightmare on Elm Street, it, it lingers with you for a reason. Just the concept is so great. It's a killer that you cannot escape. You are eventually going to fall asleep. There's nothing you can do about that. And that concept is so brilliant and so wonderfully done there. 
it's a little weird that at the very end it turns to Home Alone. I always forget that till I rewatch it. But even the Home Alone parts are enjoyable to watch. It has the effect of making the villain a little less scary, I think, because, you know, I feel like if I just, you know, dug a hole and put some leaves over it, I've kind of taken care of them. But for the most part, Freddy is terrifying. The concept is great. And the female lead, and as far as Survivor Girls go, that's pretty tops. So I'm going to go all the way with uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. Nightmare on Elm Street picking up its second vote. Let's head over to Jenna next. All right. I know I'm wrong about this, but I don't care. There's no Rob Zombie in this bracket, so I'm going to die on this hill, and I'm going to enjoy doing it. Um, the Bride of Chucky is a really good time. I've seen that movie a lot. I find it highly rewatchable. It's wonderfully self-aware. Um, Jennifer Tilly's whole aesthetic and her trailer was a very enviable thing to a young me. Um, it was rural North Carolina. Nobody was like, you're clinically depressed. They didn't know. But like, <laughs> even now it's so, it, it kind of, it's genre defining in its way because it's so self-aware and Jennifer Tilly is just, it was a young Katherine Heigl also. And like, that was the weirdest combination of actresses I can possibly imagine. And my thin justification for this is because of how dumbly Nightmare on Elm Street ended. It's because the way that you defeat Freddy friggin' Krueger in the end is by deciding that you're not afraid of him. And I find that unforgivably stupid. <laughs> So that was Bride of Chucky, I believe, picking up a vote, not going down without a fight. As it pulls a little bit closer, it's a two-to-one matchup as we head into Isabel. Chucky is a madman. He's awesome. I'm going with Bride of Chucky because creepy dolls are the best. The, the movie, to me, like really holds together because, like we've been saying, it knows what it is. It has a Motorhead song. Um, Chucky is terrifying. If he showed up in my house, I would not be happy. I would want to put him back in his box and ship him off. And uh, Nightmare on Elm Street, it, it is good. Um, and the sleep thing is scary. I have nightmares. I know what that's like. But, um, yeah, I just got to vote for Chucky and write a Chucky. And I am totally here for it. I am delighted as your impartial host because I genuinely love both of these films. And the number 14 seed of Bride of Chucky has just pulled even with A Nightmare on Elm Street. And we have an opportunity for another buzzer beater. It is a two to two tie. And yet again, we are staring down God help us all, Chris, to make this final decision. And if anybody would like to throw up one more lob and try and persuade Chris, uh, the the buzzer beater in the first round, I'm going to kind of count as a half buzzer beater. I don't think it really counts. So I'm going to say that everybody has their buzzer beater remaining. So if anybody would like to lob one up, just say me and you will get to get to go. And otherwise, Chris is on his own. Me. Okay. There okay, it is. So what Go are ahead. you more afraid of? Going to sleep or a terrifying doll with a knife? 
Me. Uh, nope, I'm sorry. We only get one buzzer beater, and it has just been lobbed. Uh, and quite frankly, very well, in my humble opinion, Chris, what do you, what do you say? Do I want to go with the second most memorable memorable performance from Jennifer Tilly's entire career? The first, obviously, being Liar Liar. Or do I want to go with the movie that, to me, Laurie Strode be damned, defined a scream queen? Heather, Heather Langenkamp as Nancy is memorable. Johnny Depp being eaten by a fucking bed is memorable. Like, I don't think people understand exactly what, what went into Johnny Depp being killed in Nightmare on Elm Street, but legitimately you saw him get eaten alive by a bed and regurgitated onto his ceiling with his mother there to, oh my God. This isn't a, this isn't a question to me. This isn't a contest to me. I love the Nightmare on Elm Street film. I love how cheesy Freddy Krueger got as he went on. I love the the fact that he made the got your nose reference to Kelly Rowland in Freddy versus Jason. I don't care. <laughs> Isabel, you asked me which, which is scarier. I'm not scared of a children's doll. I've seen toy soldiers. I can just kick them and they're going to go away. I'm scared of shit. I, I, as a kid who grew up his whole life with nightmares, who used to wake up terrified in the middle of the night and go crawl into bed with my parents. That scares the shit out of me. And it always has. Someone getting you in your sleep when you're literally at your most vulnerable spot is scary. I get it. Like, it's an older movie. It's, it's, there wasn't a whole lot of budget. But just the idea of Freddy Krueger alone is terrifying. Add in the fact that Heather Langenkamp gave a very, very, very layered performance and a believable performance, not just in Nightmare on Elm Street 1. I know we're only basing this on the one movie. But freaking Dream Warriors, Nightmare on Elm Street 3. I can't not. I cannot vote against Heather Langenkamp. I cannot vote against Nightmare on Elm Street. That movie is seminal to my childhood. That movie is seminal to who I am as a horror movie fan. It is the epitome for me of American slasher being both terrifying and somewhat not as serious. My vote undoubtedly is for the classic that is the Nightmare on Elm Street. Chucky, you can go to hell. You suck. I've never once liked one of those movies. I'm done. Even Mark Hamill is Chucky. I'm done. I'm done. So I think... Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, thank you for clarifying, Chris. No, yes, obviously that was a third vote for Nightmare on Elm Street. It will be moving on to the next round to face off against the Hitcher, the 11th seed. We are down to our final two matchups of the evening, and quite frankly, this next matchup is a doozy because it is a matchup between two films that came out in the same year, 1980. I'm really excited to see which way this one is going to go. We're going to start it off with Steven here. Uh, we have a, I've, you know what? I'm not even going to make the Stanley Kubrick, Alfred Hitchcock joke here. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's your, I don't know belated birthday pre-Christmas whatever gift Chris we have the number seven seed the Stanley Kubrick classic of The Shining taking on the number 10 seed of Friday the 13th these are two seminal horror movies I cannot wait to see how you guys are going to make this decision and I'm going to start off with Steven I love both of these films um, I'm just going to come out front with that uh, this one's a tough one for me Friday the 13th 
I love showing that film to people. Um, I love seeing how pissed off they get when they realize that Jason's not really in it, or at least not really the killer. Uh, Friday the 13th is just such a simple, well-executed film uh, that it does not – it needs to be talked of more for its artistry. That being said, in the history of cinema, there are two perfect castings. One is J.K. Simmons as J. Jonas Jameson in the Spider-Man movies. He was born to play Obviously. that part. Obviously. The other one is Jack Nicholson as Jack Torrance. I, I mean, I, I don't think Stephen King was looking at a picker of Jack when he wrote that book, but that is so perfect. And if you want to just look at the scene where he's at in the hotel bar and he's talking to Lloyd and he's talking about how he accidentally hurt Danny by pulling his arm too hard. And he gives that, that reading of that line of, you know, if I just put, you know, one extra pound of pressure per second, per second, per second. And he just delivers it so perfectly as a man at the end of his wits that doesn't even understand what's happening to him, but is falling prey to it. Um, it's really, really good. But is it a strong female lead? Uh, that's that's the toughest part. I, I feel like both of these films, I, The Shining is the better film. But I, I don't think of I don't think of it as a strong female lead by Jelly Duvall. I know we're talking strong female characters. I want to vote The Shining because I love The Shining more. But at the end of the day, I think the better fit for this bracket, I think it's got to be Friday the 13th. So yeah, even though it's killing me to do this, even though it's the most worthless film to use for six degrees of Kevin Bacon, despite having Kevin Bacon, it, it's, it's Friday the 13th. It's going to get my vote. I'm not going to lie, folks. I have been floored by Steven before, but that might be one of the more surprising votes where he bait, he baited and switched me incredibly well. Uh, but that is a vote for the upset of the 10 seed Friday the 13th over the seven seed of the shining Jenna. What do you say? Is the strong female lead in Friday the 13th, Mrs. Voorhees. I'm not really understanding the Shining is okay. So, like, I I know that I'm biased because I know no one else in this recording has ever ever been snowed in with my ex husband. But The Shining <laughs> is visceral terror about this man's descent into madness and this woman trying to do everything she can to keep it together. She cracks him in the head with a baseball bat. That's a very. I mean, she locks him in a freezer. Ghosts let him out. That's crappy. But she did what she could. Like, she gets the snow cat out. She, I mean, Shelly Duvall lives. Um, I think that that's it's maybe the best role Shelly Duvall's ever played. Dr. Phil was really mean to Shelly Duvall. So um, for that and a lot of other reasons, The Shining's just, it's this film that's made with such care. So much thought went into every detail of it. Um, no, I think it's actually really redemptive uh, for the female lead in a lot of ways. Uh, I got to give it to The Shining. And The Shining pulls even with Friday the 13th. We have a game on our hands. Let's head over to Isabel. What's you, what do you say? I think that Shelley Duvall's response 
is um, pretty natural and it builds so gradually. I think it's it's pretty powerful. She does live in the end and he doesn't, you know, he gets frozen. And um, I think that the way that she comes across in the beginning as quiet and unassuming works really well because she does respond to her, the circumstance. So that's not the person that she wanted to be. That's the person that she had to be. And she had to save her son and she listens to her son. So even though her son is a little, you know, quirky and different, she listens to him and believes in him. And I think it's a, I think it's a strong female character. It's um, a, an unassuming strong female character. The Shining. And The Shining picks up its second vote. Chris, can you cast a third vote for the movie that you once mistook for Psycho? And there's your one per cast on the wrong uh, podcast, sir. Uh, you know I love you, buddy. What do you say? I'm, I'm not quick-winded, as anyone can tell. I'm actually kind of butting heads here because... Listen, Kubrick, for all of the great work he's done, if I was an actor, I'd never work with the guy because he was an asshole. The guy was an asshole. He wanted perfection and everything. Like, he borderline was... Not borderline. He was a 100% control freak with what he was getting out of his actors and actresses. And I'm going to be honest with you here. Shelley Duvall's performance took me out of the movie. I thought she was too over the top. Mike, you can look at me like that all you want. I thought she was too over the top. At the end of the day, what we're looking at is what is the best movie with a strong female character. That's that's what we're looking at. That's my opinion. What I love about this bracket or brackets in general here is that everyone has their own interpretation of what they're looking at in these films. For me, my interpretation of this bracket is the best movie with a strong female character. That's how I interpret this. If it came down to what is the more iconic movie or what is the more iconic uh, moment, it's Jason Voorhees not being the killer in Friday the 13th. It's the beheading at the end of Friday the 13th where no doubt a man's hands come up. That is not a woman's hands. There is hair on those knuckles. A man's hands come up when Jason Voorhees' mom is decapitated. That's the more iconic moment. But The Shining is masterful. Every shot in that movie is meticulous. Every part of that movie is meticulous. The dancing with the the decrepit woman and the everything in that movie is so meticulously planned, you can't tell me that movie is not a masterpiece. As great as as much as I love Friday the 13th, and I love that movie. I do. The Shining from a cinematic standpoint is a much better film. You're talking about, this is not for you, you're talking about a low-budget American slasher versus one of the premier auteurs working towards the top of his game. My money goes to The Shining, regardless of Shelley Duvall's performance, Jack Torrance, at all, gets my vote. And The Shining does pick up its third vote, and it will be moving on to the round of 32, but I would love to hear what Minda has to say about this. Oh, are you sure about that? Absolutely. I'm going to go with The Shining because the strong female character is so strong in that movie. And that is, of course, as you mentioned, the decrepit corpse in the bathroom. 
That is of the two movies listed, strongest female character in either movie, right there. Um, I love, you know, I'm all about Friday the 13th. That's a classic. And I, I do love that many, 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 many a stripper has been called Crystal Lake after that wonderful franchise. But I am such a hardcore fan of The Shining. There's no other answer for me. And The Shining picks up its fourth vote. Uh, I would encourage folks, uh, if you're if you're intrigued by one of one of the many ways that Kubrick orchestrated the unsettlingness of The Shining, Look at the, I think there's a YouTube video about it, about the architecture of the hotel and how it's impossible. The way that it's shot, you see different people wandering into halls that cannot possibly exist. And it's, it's a very subtle unsettlingness, but it's super cool. And I remember watching that and just being kind of having my mind blown as to the way that that movie was manipulating me when I saw it in ways that I didn't understand which is not to take away from the fantastic original Friday the 13th as well. But The Shining is moving on to the next round, and it is going to be taking on one of these two films that are going to be facing off in our final matchup of the night. Will it be the original Evil Dead from 1981, Sam Raimi classic, or will it be the number 15 seed of I Know What You Did Last Summer from 1997? We're going to start it off here with Jenna. All right. This is challenging. Uh, Evil Dead is a ridiculous movie. Even with the budgetary constraints they were working with, they, they still made some very strange choices. I don't particularly like I Know What You Did Last Summer. It's got that very kind of, it, it just blends into that whole landscape of, sexy teen party slasher movies but i i have to give it to i know what you did last summer because the only thing a woman did in the other film as far as i recall was get raped by a tree and jenna recalls the original evil dead as well as i do and uh thus gives i know what you did last summer its first vote let's head over to isabel i think she also floated up in the air didn't she? And get shut in the floor inside the hatch. You're not wrong. She was also briefly imprisoned. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really want to vote for uh, the Evil Dead because Sam Raimi and I, we rode the same school bus. So it's like I practically worked on the movie myself. Um, but uh, I got to go with, um, I know what you did last summer. It, it's a bigger story, more characters, more structure. Just more moreness, you know. Sorry, Sam. And the moreness of I Know What You Did Last Summer picks up its second vote over The Evil Dead. And I'm not going to lie, I'm ecstatic to hear what Chris has to say. Well, that there's a reason for that is the fact that this is the second, you know, Kevin Williamson film that's on this list. And it's also the technically the first we're going to hear more later about Sam Raimi. I get the fact that people say that Ash is the leader or the, the main star of the Evil Dead. That is, in my opinion, conjecture based on what happens in Evil Dead 2 and Evil Dead 3. Evil Dead 1 is an ensemble. It is not just... People look at it as it's, you know, these... Once they turn into these deadites, 
or they didn't have that name back then. But once they turn into Deadites, those characters don't matter. No, Ash's sister is legitimately a focal point of the movie. She may not have character development, but she is pure evil that drives the rest of that movie. And it's chaos incarnate. What happens with the tree with, uh, is it, uh, I forget the actress that plays her, but Ash's sister is horrible. But then looking what happens to Ellen Sandweiss and the rest of the characters in that movie, it is 100% a female-driven story, regardless of what Ash and his pussy-ass... Con- I can't. I He bothers me in that movie, and he redeems himself in 2 and 3. Ash is a weak character in that movie. He is a passive participant. The women drive Evil Dead. And they are not the good guys. They're the bad guys. And it takes three women and eventually his best friend to get him to act. And that's when he runs away and he gets whatever happens. It's the ambiguous ending, whatever. I know what you did last summer is formulaic at best. It's Kevin Williamson kind of going back. It's the worst use of crabs as a scare factor that I've ever seen. It's what what the hell happened to that body? What what happened? No one can tell me what happened to the body in the trunk because it never makes any fucking sense. The body is there one second and it's gone the next. There is no logical explanation for what happens because there's no supernatural aspect to I know what you did last summer. There's not. I'm I'm over this. I'm over this. There is one clear winner here and it is Evil Dead and it's not because Bruce Campbell is a great Ash. It's because the three female characters, even though they're evil by the end of the movie, drive that story forward and in a very fucking compelling way. And I believe that was an emphatic vote for the number two seed of the Evil Dead, which is absolutely not going down without a fight. It is a two to one lead for the underdog. I know what you did last summer over the Evil Dead. And let's see what Minda has to say about it. Not one person that hears the words the evil dead think about the female characters. They immediately think about Bruce Campbell. Like, it's not even, yeah, you can shout impotently into your turned off microphone, but I'm telling you right now, everybody thinks about Bruce Campbell, evil dead. That is the correlation. Nobody gives two flying shits about the female characters. I know what you did last summer. Automatically, everybody thinks Jennifer Love Hewitt's titties. So, right there, female horror movie. So obviously I'm going with, I know what you did last summer. And I am ashamed to say that Minda 100% described my exact perspective of these two movies. But I know what you did last summer does pick up its third vote. (laughs) We're going to head over to Steven to see exactly how much of a blowout this is going to be. These two movies. Um, So on one hand, The Evil Dead. Uh, it's basically got the same relationship with me as the original Star Trek series, where it's actually not that good, but so many good things have come after that you can kind of back-read goodness into it if you just pretend that the characters have traits that they won't have until later on. Uh, On the other hand, we have I Know What You Did Last Summer, and in regards to that, for many hundreds of years, philosophers, priests, and wise men have tried to figure out what it would feel like to be stuck in purgatory. And the answer is uh, any random scenes level of excitement from I Know What You Did Last Summer, because there is nothing good nor nothing bad happening at any point in any frame of that film. Um, So I was just reminded about Jennifer Love Huge Tits, so I know what she did last summer. 
And I know what you did last summer uh, becomes our second 15-2 upset of this bracket already. And we're we're only halfway done. This is unbelievable, folks. Uh, you know, it's a lot of these things have gone the way that they the way that I expected, and several of them have not, and that is what makes this exciting. And I have enjoyed a lot of the takes on the on these movies. I cannot wait to see what's going to come up next in our next episode, which is going to be the 2000s region of our bracket. And we hope you all will join us for that region. Uh, as I watch an exasperated Chris, like massage his temples and just try to reconcile what just happened, which quite frankly is my happy place. I'm not going to lie. Uh, <laughs> Let me recap uh, what has happened in this episode real quick so that you all remember what matchups we're going to have going into the next round. The number one seed, Silence of the Lambs, easily dispatched the number 16 seed of Slumber Party Massacre, and it's going to be heading into the next matchup to take on the eight seed of Candyman, which actually made quick work of Scream. And quite frankly, if you had told me at the beginning of this bracket that in the round of 32, I know what you did last summer would be present and Scream would not. I would have been like, huh, but here we are. In the next matchup, the Crafts gave us our 12-5 upset. There may be more, but that is at least one that every bracket has to have as it took out the thing. And it's going to go on to take out the number four seed of Misery, which had an easy victory over the faculty in the next matchup. We had another 11-6 upset as the Hitcher easily dispatched Blair Witch Project. It'll be heading on to the next round to take on Nightmare on Elm Street, which won in a nail-biter over Bride of Chucky. And our final matchup of the round of 32 uh, was ordained after The Shining. Uh, pretty much slid by Friday the 13th. Uh, too much of a fight. I, I don't know. I would actually say that matchup was closer than the vote count indicated. And the number 15 seed, I know what you did last summer, is going to be taking The Shining on. In the next round, we hope you've enjoyed this episode of Boozy Bracketology. As always, you can find us on patreon.com slash PTEBB, Pub Trivia Experience, and Boozy Bracketology. That's our sister podcast and ourselves. You can find a lot of bonus content on there. If you have the financial means to support us, we would certainly appreciate it. Uh, we really do enjoy bringing this to y'all, but it is some work. So just a little, you know, if you, if you, feel so inclined to throw us a little extra that'd be great but we certainly don't appreciate it we just love doing this uh and you can of course always find our content anywhere including on the socials uh we're at boozy bracketology everywhere except for twitter where we are boozy brackets and if you'd like to interact with us we do have a active facebook group called the lounge for fans of pub trivia experience and boozy bracketology we're always there bantering shooting the shit what have you uh it's a great time. Come down there and visit us. We have had a great time bringing you this episode tonight. Uh, we have determined the next round for our 80s and 90s region of the best horror movie with a strong female character. Uh, and we will see what comes next time. Uh, hopefully, uh, it may be me hosting, but I, I know that my wife, Nikki, is really looking forward to hosting this bracket. So hopefully, she'll be filling up to it when we bring you these next couple episodes. But until then, I have been your host, Mike. Oh, hi, I'm Amanda from Dead Girls Talking. Thank you so much for having us on. I've been Steven. I've been Jenna, also from Dead Girls Talking. I'm Isabel Drake. 
And I'm a pissed off Chris. <laughs> and thank you all of our panelists, uh, especially those that pissed off Chris, uh, for joining us tonight. And we can't wait to hear you in the next round. Until then, we're signing off. Thanks so much for listening. <laughs>